This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Going live from Kentucky again, got a special set of brothers here. The Swan Brothers are with me today. How are you guys doing today? Uh, well, so I'm, good. I'm great. Well, one's, pro- one's better than the other. Zach's better than Colton right now. We've also got uh, George Cummins, Buck Bourbon, down here today. He's rocking a golf shirt. And a, yeah, it's a, a pink flamingo. Man. It looks a little sunburned as well. George just got off the, off the golf course and... The Swan Brothers, they've been hunting the last, let's see, we've been at it two days so far. Zach, we got started off. You got to tell us what happened last night. Well, I uh, I shot the biggest buck of my life last night. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. it's it, it was so surreal, man. Like, I'm just, I'm still just tickled. I will say, I worked harder for that deer than I've ever worked for a deer in my life. He ran into the most impossible spot to to drag him out down a ravine and yep. couldn't get a side by side truck yep. or anything. So we call those hollers here in Kentucky. Okay, hollers. yeah, hollers. He ran down in a holler. Ran Gullies, down in a holler. Ravines. Hollers. I'll tell you, I hollered a few times pulling him up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough, but worth it. It was Absolutely. awesome. Well, so I, he wasn't bailing no hay today or yesterday's what you're saying. Nope, nope. <laughs> I hunted the same stand last night and. There was a guy out there bailing hay till about seven thirty, and I know the deer are used to it, but they did not come out of the woods. <laughs> so there was it was a big change. It yeah. went from seeing two deer to eighteen. Awesome. That's what we yeah. want. That's what we want. So did you? You only saw two the first night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A doe and a and a little six point, and last night it was Buck City. Yeah, it was awesome. That's nice. how this early season. And Colton, you're what have you seen so far? Oh man, I saw nothing last night. Uh, <laughs> rabbits. Okay. Okay. And then a um, couple of fawns and a doe the night before. And um, but it's pretty fun, man. I just I'm not gonna lie. I just uh, we were hunting with Big John. Oh yeah. If you guys don't know uh, Big John. You gotta. <laughs> and he he rocked one. So it's just fun being out there and retrieving yeah. and and uh, you know especially when guys shoot them real well that they don't run down to a holler. You know, you just throw. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what's crazy is I smoked this deer, and I knew I did when I shot uh-huh. him. I like is the most confident I've ever been about about a shot. Uh huh. And yeah, the listeners probably don't know the history here, but I have a. <laughs> they definitely don't. Yeah. I have a history of missing and losing deer, and you know, let's just say, mainly just missing. Let's just say that Zach should be part owner of an arrow company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but I was really confident last night. I mean, I even, I even as soon as I hit, I was like, "Yes," you know. You knew and, it right away. And yeah. but I don't know what happened. I mean, it was just he went. A it's long, deer hunting, man. It's he went a long ways. But we got him back, you know, and it was right where it should be, yeah. right, right in the heart. But that's awesome. I don't know. That's, that's awesome. It. How many years have you guys been hunting here in Kentucky? This is four. four. This is your four. Year four, and um. I tell you, like we grew up gun hunting. Uh-huh. I always went with our dad gun hunting, and um, bow hunted a little bit. But and I realize now that they just pretty much put me out of the way. I really was never hunting. Uh-huh. They just <laughs> they were just yes. where I wasn't going to get shot or you know. Um, kind of true. Yeah, I wasn't going to hey, see. We're going to put you over here out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just don't move. You'll see them. And, see uh, you at dark. Yeah, dad. And, don't I need a gun? No. Yeah. No. 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 no, no, no you're no, good. No, you're, you're good. good. Um. So. But yeah, uh, but bow hunting, we really have gotten into it the last, really since we've been coming here. That's really? kind of when it really kicked off for us. And um, I mean, talk about miles of coming from where we came from. Like I was, I was starting out, there's a video, we can send this to y'all maybe, but there's a video of me drawing back his bow and just, I mean, taking off half my oh, you know, just, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, my dad loves that video because I just, you know, I holler. That's what we call hollering. hollering. <laughs> um, but just going from that to now, just, you know, knocking down deer, it's it just, man, it's a good feeling. Maybe, you can just yeah. learn a lot in camp, mm-hmm. man, just sitting around. I, you'll always find me around guys, which is everybody here, but, you know, just listening to stories, um, figuring out what I'm doing wrong, what I'm yep. doing right, you know. I didn't even know what a freaking bow hanger was when I first came here you know yeah. i was yep. like you guys hold your bow the entire time this is tough <laughs> like no we have bow hangers like, oh yeah me too <laughs> yeah i was just messing i wanted to make sure you guys had it. i think that's yeah. the biggest thing is just how much you learn i mean it's not so much about the hunting it's just the people you know first of all first yeah. and foremost like it, it's like a family mm-hmm. here you meet these people and then and then you learn so much yeah. the I friendships mean, the friendships yeah. and the learning mm-hmm. yeah you know, it, it's that's what I think hunting is it should be about more than any trophy ever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know it's those friendships made. And I mean, think about the guys you 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 all have met here. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we've got these text chains that go every day like, mm-hmm. from people all over the U.S. that mm-hmm. you know we see once a year, and but we talk to them almost every day. Mm-hmm. And that's that friendship, that camaraderie. You know, that's what hunting's about. You know, people lose sight, especially today. It's all about trophy. You know, you, you shoot a deer and people are like, hey, did you have three years, maybe four years of pictures of him? Yeah, Do you have his yeah. sheds from the last three years? Yeah. You know, what's the story with him? And, and at the end of the day, you're like, man, I just, I just want to have fun and, yeah. and, and hang out with, you know, good dudes. And if we get to kill something, that's great. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just people have lost sight of that, you know. And, and so talking about the friendships, let's talk about how you all got to come to Salt River Outfitters. Like, you want the honest story? The honest okay, story. You got to right. tell it. Well, we were uh, at ATA. That's where we we're at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, in, in there in Indy, and um, we were watching Craig Morgan just rock rock yep. a show like Craig does. And I see George. Um, I'm like, 
and we're we're talking to some like mutual people. My brother's talking to somebody. And, like George is kind of standing there. And well, we were talking to Matt Pell, and 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 he was like, "Hey, you know, George knows he's got some good deer in Kentucky. You need uh-huh. to, you need to talk to him if you want to hunt Kentucky." So I was like, "Well, we got to meet this guy." And, and I didn't know this at the time. I barely knew Matt at uh-huh. the time, and um, so I'm standing there, and him and Matt are talking, and me and George are just kind of sitting there. I'm like, "Well, I'm going to say hi to this guy." Like. You know, make conversation, and I'm going to say something that either, looking back, I either was going to get punched or, <laughs> or it was going to go over well, and um, I think he wanted to do both to be honest. But um, yeah, I looked at him. I was like, "Man, I love your movies." I just look at George, and he's like, "Excuse me." He's, I was like, "Man, I love your movies," and he's, he just kind of looked at me like kind of puzzled. I was like, you know, like The Hangover, and like. Because at the time he had this beard and he looked, I mean, I had long hair, long shaggy hair, long shaggy beard. Like I looked rough. Uh-huh. And you've lost weight since then too. I have, I have, yeah. And um, and quite a bit actually. And so, and the beard adds, you know. So, but he looked just like Zach Galifianakis from from the. I thought, Brad, I thought Bradley Cooper, but he said no. <laughs> he said no. He said no. And man, from then on, dude, we just and we uh we all start hanging out the night and we all end up. At the same pizza, we got a pizza together. Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we ate pizza. Yeah, and uh, just had the time of our lives, and it was like a brotherhood mm-hmm. right off the bat. And um, that's how we met George, and and which is pretty lucky because I'm sure a bunch of people, you know, come up to him and say, "Hey, let me go, let me come hunt," you know. Yeah. And and I I'll, I'll never forget. I was like, I was really proud of this deer I killed, like my first deer ever yeah. in Oklahoma. <laughs> uh-huh. And I had one picture of it on my phone uh-huh. that was a screenshot of a Polaroid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is one I killed. He's like, that's okay. You know? Just, <laughs> like, I, th- I think I said that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. That's, that's cute. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just been a, a really, really good friendship ever since then. And That's awesome. And I mean, I like I said, I would come here even if we weren't hunting, just yeah. to see everybody, you mm-hmm. know. It was a great group of guys for sure. Yeah. So you said your dad got you into hunting when you guys were younger? Yeah. And now, I mean, especially being around other hunters, but I realize how knowledgeable my dad is at hunting. Uh-huh. Like, I, we didn't realize this, the stuff he was teaching us. And because when you're younger, man, there was times I didn't want to go. Just go yep. sit in the cold and freeze my butt off because mm-hmm. we always hunted in the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is new to us, hunting when it's this hot, you know. But it's a completely kind of different miserable. Here. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. You know, and you're just getting hand-me-down, like, all right, put this on, put this on. I'm like, there's sometimes I just didn't want to go. Yeah. Like, it was just like, I don't want to sit there for hours. And he was the type, man, don't move. You're not yep. eating, you're not eating snacks and talking. Like, yep. you're, and then, but he showed us, you know, uh, game trails. He showed us, you know, um, like how to gut a deer. Uh-huh. And like, you realize, like, holy crap, he is a man. Like, uh-huh. this guy. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You guys know how to gut deer? <laughs> no, 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 Wait a minute. Yeah. Now, this is just now sinking in. There's four years of you all haven't gutted one of your deer yet. That's crazy. Knowing how and wanting to do it yeah. are two different things. Um, okay. <laughs> you <laughs> just told on yourself. Well, the guides are so great, man. I mean, we They're just love them. You're learning every time they do it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, five, six more years, they'll probably be ready. They yeah, yeah. Watch yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. yeah. I, we want to soak all we can in, you yeah, know, I on get, knowledge. I but anyway, we, we were talking about that last night. We're like, man, like, like bow hunting, I think we've learned a lot about here. And, but just hunting in general, I'm glad that we grew up with a father that just knew how to do that stuff and still does. And like real fast. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, 
skin a deer, all of it. It's just like, I, I'm glad we grew up with that kind of teaching, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's becoming more rare and rare these days. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we were the type of family that we had one stand, you know, or if it was a stand, I mean, I remember the first time I ever hunted, it was a piece of wood across two branches, you know, with oh, yeah. wood planks up going yeah. up a tree yeah. and no safety, harness. no safety yeah. harness. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that was the place to hunt and it didn't matter the wind or, or what. And so coming here, you know, and I know it's, it's a lot different when you're bow hunting. I mean, you got to get close, yep. you know, but you know, learn about wind and learn about just bow hunting in general. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's kind of my preference now. I mean, I don't, I don't even, I don't want to say I don't enjoy rifle hunting, but I always opt to bow hunt if it's I can, it's you know, yep. yeah. I'll never forget when <laughs> that first year, all these guys were like, all right, we're getting ready to go. And all these guys were getting in the shower. I was like, why the crap is everybody showering to go hunting? You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, this is so different. And, uh, but you just, you learn a lot. And I, I think, I really do think that there are a lot of guys that, want to bow hunt mm-hmm. and that actually you know have hunted a lot like gun hunted and it's just a different it's a different ball game mm-hmm. and there are a lot of guys like me that like they would love to like learn and they still have a lot to learn though like yeah. it's just like i mean day one type stuff mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you a, a bad hunter i just think bow hunting is just a it's a different ball game and there's yeah. no shame in starting at square one exactly you know there's no shame in it and i'm glad you brought that up because i mean so so hunting in general is a dying sport yeah mm-hmm. i mean every year there's less and less licenses so just because of and i think it's because of social media social media is driving so many people away from hunting because they bash on everybody right mm-hmm. like we talked about you shoot a deer it doesn't matter how big it is but the first question you get what's it scored right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know did, did you have history with this buck like that that's just negative that's mm-hmm. a negative impact on the hunting industry but right. We love taking hunters in all spectrum. You know, I don't care whether you're just beginning to hunt or if you've been hunting for 60 years, you know, because we have, we have all those hunters. Yeah. And, and I have as much fun taking the, the guy that's been hunting for 60 years or the, the guy or girl that just started hunting because mm-hmm. I get more satisfaction out of taking people and teaching them this stuff, you know. And, and we've talked a little bit about doing a class. Like, you know, you want to do like a guide mm-hmm. guide class, mm-hmm. you know, get get people into guiding. Like, mm-hmm. I think we should do a class on just getting people into hunting, mm-hmm. like just teaching mm-hmm. them. And it may not even be a hunt. It may yeah. just be come in for a three-day class, and we're going to, you know, teach you how to set up your stands. We're going to teach you how to hunt safely. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing. You know, everything we got to do, we got to do safely. You know, we're talking about hunting out of, you know, board stretched across yeah. a fork <laughs> in a tree. And, you know, me and Joey talk all the time. We're like, man, it's a wonder we're alive today. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because yeah. the stuff we did growing up is absolutely ignorant. I mean, yeah. you know, we killed we killed a lot of deer doing that, but looking back on it, it was dangerous. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. now you've got you got these tree stands that are built super heavy, super safe, mm-hmm. and the, the biggest invention ever in my mind as far as saving people's lives are lifelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. You know, and, and yeah. I think if we had a class that because people we get a lot of hunters that are scared to get in trees, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you. <laughs> I wasn't going. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I may or might may not have had to hang a lock-on tree stand one time, three foot off the ground. <laughs> it did and happen. And brush it in. <laughs> I have the picture somewhere. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to point any fingers, but the guy, the people on the podcast, yeah. can't see me pointing the finger, but I am pointing one. Oh, but uh, no, I mean, like I would love to just. 
I get I get so much enjoyment out of that, just teaching mm-hmm. people. And that yeah. would be so cool to bring people in. And maybe they've never hunted, you know, and or maybe they're just now hunting and they haven't had any luck and, mm-hmm. you know, they're down on their luck because I want to see this industry grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we have to start bringing new hunters in for this industry to grow because it, mm-hmm. it, it, it literally is a dying well, sport. Well, hunting's so tough because the, like, the barrier of entry, right? Like, I can start basketball in middle school and my somebody at school will help me, right? Like, your friend will help you. If in hunting, it's so tough if your parents aren't there, mm-hmm. either right. your mom or dad into hunting just to teach you along the way because it's one, it's so much time, right? It's right. not just two hours after school. It's usually a Saturday or Sunday morning afternoon that takes so much time. If you just don't, when, when you grow up with everything that there is now with games and sports and everything that goes on in the world, like if you don't get hooked by your parents at an early age to learn that and go, now you're in your mid-20s, like, I want to go and try to hunt. Mm-hmm. And you're, you've got a job and you're like, well, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. One, I don't have land. I don't, I don't want to go onto public land because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what licenses I need. I don't know how to work a gun or a bow or any of that stuff. Yeah. And that's why you see it. But there is like, there's a demand of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that are trying to learn. Yeah. And like the one thing you can say is when you go out, don't be afraid to mess up. Like it doesn't Absolutely. matter. How, it doesn't matter. Like you hear the guys in camp, they've hunted for 45, 50 years. Those guys still mess up every year, right? They'll, right? they'll do something like, I moved too quick or I hit the twig. I didn't have, the, I didn't grab my bow when I was supposed to. Or like Mark, Mark Sullins last night was telling the story, like he was so locked in on that buck coming in. When he went to grab his bow, the doe, he completely forgot that there was a doe 15 feet to his left and she had him pegged. And like you hear him tell a story, he's like, how many hundreds of times have mm-hmm. I done this? And I, I just get worked up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where like anybody listening, like if you're new or just getting into it, and you mess up, everybody messes up. Like, that's Absolutely. how you learn. Like, I, you can't, it's really tough to learn and it let it sink in if somebody tells you something. But if you experience it in the field, it's like, I'm going to remember that every time I go back. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like a miss with a bow. Like, different angles or shooting. Like, a lot of guys practice standing up when they're shooting, right? Well, sometimes when you're in a tree stand, you can't stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're sitting there. Now, all of a sudden, you're in a weird situation for the first time. And you're and you're drawn back. And you're like, I never checked if there was a branch behind my behind my elbow. Or I've never twerked, like, this a little bit different to, to get the angle shot I need to out of there. So, it's like, yeah. all that stuff is just learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all it is. The and more time you get in the field. You can't account for where the deer is going to be. Either. No, absolutely. Like, you can and shoot at a target yeah. all day long, what? but... You when you put them right there on the corn where yeah. you want that perfect shot, like it never happens. Well, yeah. You know? is, is it going to be a completely broadside shot or is he slightly quartering to you and his right legs back a little bit to where you got to really judge yeah. where that, where the shoulders at. There's so much that goes into that. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, you know, we try to set everything up to put the deer in the perfect situation for the hunter to be successful. But that happens 5% of the time that yeah. the animal is actually like perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what you have to prepare for. So when you're out here shooting on the, the range, everything's perfect. You right. know it's 20 yards. You know it's 30 yards. And that target is always broadside. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you really need to be practicing when it's not perfect. You need to practice at 23 yards. Mm-hmm. You need to practice at 32 yards. And maybe the deer's quartered away a little bit. You know, just maybe you have to shoot mm-hmm. kind of leaning around a tree or, you know, stuff like that. Because that's how your shot is nine times out of ten going to happen. Right. It's not going to be a perfect 20 yards. It's not going to be a perfect 30 yards. And it's not going to be perfect broadside. So practice in all different types of situations just to try to help yourself be more successful. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, if we were to hold a class, like a three-day class, mm-hmm. just, just teaching people, we could we can explain that to them, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that is literally geared towards the, the 
the hunter who's never hunted or the hunters who only hunted for a year, you know, because those are the people that we need to bring into this sport, you know, mm-hmm. are those people. And unfortunately, because of social media, there's, you know, there, there's people that are making, not, I don't want to say making fun, but they're, if, if you screw up, they're, they're going to bash you. And, oh, and yeah. that's not oh, what hunting's man. about. That's not what, that's, that's literally 2% of the people in the hunting industry are the people that's bashing you if you screw up, you know, yeah. and that's not what it's about. So we want to bring that to light. Like we want people to understand that the only way to learn is through your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Just, just like you said. So, mm-hmm. you know, last night I had a guy made a marginal shot and he walked up to me and, and you could tell he was sick, Yeah, sick to us. And he's hunted his whole life, sick to his stomach. He's like, man, I'm so sorry. I'm like, do you think I've never done that? Like, right. Like we've all done it. Yeah. If you haven't done it, you just haven't hunted long enough. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. Learn from it, move past it and don't let that discourage you. And yeah. you know, I do a speaking engagement down South every year for uh winter strong. And it's uh, something that Bert Soren puts on for athletes and a lot of military people. Like he's real big in the military, real back, real big in the Olympics. So he brings all these athletes in, and, and a lot of them are wanting to get into the hunting industry, mm-hmm. but they've never hunted. And and these are when I say alphas, these <laughs> men and women are alphas. Like yeah. I'm scared when I go there, right, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. And I'm speaking to them, and they're like, "Well, I don't want to mess up." Right. I'm like, don't, "Did you never mess up when you were running track? Did you never mess up when you were throwing mm-hmm. a discus or mm-hmm. a shot put? Like, have you never messed up in life?" Mm-hmm. Like that's what I tell them. I'm like, look, you. That's the way you learn. Don't be scared. Get get into hunting. I promise you, it'll be the most rewarding thing you've ever done. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, just don't be afraid. I mean, you have to go into it knowing that you're not going to be perfect every time. Yeah. So. And you know, for me though, it's like you still you still get in your reps and you still do the the priest and like a class. Man, that would have been. Luckily, you know, if, if you ever have a chance to come to Salt River, like you you got to. And um, but because that's a class in itself just sitting around yeah. with hunters you know um but um yeah i i would say like do work on the awkward shots and like i'll i'll even just knowing what i've been through at this point and like i said i've only drawn my bow on you know six or seven deer now and um i mean i've been on plenty but like when i actually pick up my bow yeah. you know um but like i'll work on because me i'm still you know i don't know if anybody else is like this but i still get so worked up you know that that buck fever oh, I still it get, will never go away. yeah and so i had to get like uh i had to get to where i'm like i gotta get my heart rate up and then try to <laughs> yeah, shoot yeah, because yeah. i gotta i gotta try to replicate yeah. like what i'm feeling in the tree or whatever and it's and it's hard to do it's almost impossible to do yeah. Yeah. but um but yeah it's you're never gonna have perfect situation and um you think that too like even like but I, i'm telling you it's it's one of the best feelings in the world. Like everybody needs to bow hunt at some point in their yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and still to this day, I think the best practice, you know, you're talking about getting your heart rate up yeah. and, and absolutely do that as much as you can. But the best practice you can ever get are shooting does. Yeah. You know, everybody mm-hmm. only wants to go after a trophy mm-hmm. buck. Mm-hmm. And there, I know people that hunt for three, four or five years and never draw their bow because yeah. they're, they're going after a monster buck. Right. Well, when that moment happens, they fall apart. Mm-hmm. because they haven't shot an animal in four or five years of their bow. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that if you're if you're there trophy buck hunting and you see a doe, your heart's not going to get pumped up. Right. But the second you go out to kill a doe. Oh, <laughs> then it's game on. And that doe yeah. comes out and you're like, I'm, not, you're like, I'm here to shoot this doe with my bow. It's the same thing. It's oh, yeah. the same feeling. Your heart, yeah. your nerve, you know, that buck fever happens on does as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that is the best practice. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, if you don't have a trophy buck to go after this year, go shoot those. It's mm-hmm. the best practice you'll ever have. Yep. It's way better than going out to this, this range out here and shooting at a target at 20 and 30, 40, you know, known distances. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only way to replicate that feeling. And it you will. You'll replicate that feeling on does. Mm-hmm. And I think does are probably better practice as far as knowing when to draw. I mean, if anybody's going to bust you, it's going to be oh, a doe. Absolutely. Be, it's going to yeah. be that 12-year-old doe. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You know, that's – I always, I always look at it, you know, we're musicians and it's so crazy because I, I correlate hunting experiences with like going to a festival or a concert or uh-huh. something. And it, and it happens this way every time, you know, you got your, your fawns and dumb little deer, you know, that come out first mm-hmm. that are yeah, a year and a half old buck or whatever yeah. that literally doesn't look at anything. Yeah. Right? That's just, like the, yeah. that's like the opening act, right? Yeah. And then you've got the the middle, the the direct support, mm-hmm. right? That is like, but that's but you don't want to you don't want to tick those deer off because they turn into Karens and can get you kicked out of the yeah, show. That's very true. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like you got to show respect yep. Yep. until the main event comes out yeah. last that uh-huh. everybody's there to see. You know, and it's just it's crazy to me the the patterns that they go through. It's it's yeah. awesome to watch whether you shoot or not. Yeah. Man, I'm those doe like I. Like, this is how ignorant I was. Like, growing up, I'd never really that close. Like, you just don't know it until you're that close. But, like, hearing a doe blow at you for the first time in a tree and you've never had that happen mm-hmm. to you, as loud as it, man, I about <laughs> fell out of the freaking <laughs> tree. Like, ticks, ticks me off. Man, <laughs> it does. It does tick you off. And you're like, but I, the whole time I was thinking, because it happened to me here, i just never been that close to deer. Uh-huh. You know, we've always gone. Yeah. I was like, what the crap was that? Like <laughs> that sounded demonic. Yeah. Like what is what is happening? Well, I Please? hate that they go out of their way to walk all the way around you. Oh, yeah. how smart they are. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, and they then know. then blow at you right behind you where they, you don't know they're there. Just, <laughs> yeah. And then they do it for the next hundred and fifty yards. They walk <laughs> yeah. <away. laughs> yeah. <laughs> that no, I'm gonna get her when she comes back. Yeah. Okay, so music wise, I mean, obviously you guys had to be in music at a young age, right? Oh like, yeah. Like. Did you guys sing together at a young age too? Yeah. Walk like walk me through like I I love to hear the story of how you guys got to be where you're at musically now. Well, I mean we we pretty much came out of the womb rocking. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I I started playing drums. My my parents had a gospel band and they got me my first drum set at three years old. And by seven I was playing in their band. Uh-huh. And. Um, and then we just kind of, we were kind of born into it, man. We just sang, I mean, he was singing harmony before he could pronounce most words. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, there was, <laughs> there was a guy named Billy Gilman that back in the day that was, uh, he, he was signed to Sony like as, at a, as a 12 year old and mm-hmm. had a song on the radio. And I remember seeing his music video and his records in Walmart and, I'm, and we literally talked and was like, uh, you know, if if this kid can get a record deal, which we didn't really know what a record deal was at the time, but we knew you had to have one. It sounded, <laughs> you know? it sounded good. It sounded good. And uh, we're like, if this guy can do it, we could be like the kid Brooks and Dunn, right? We could do the duo thing. Mm-hmm. Hansen twins. I could see y'all being the Hansen twins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need y'all to sing Mbop for me just one time. Hey, that song slaps, man. <laughs> Still to this day. It does, yeah. But, yeah, we just um, – then we just started writing crappy songs and – uh, you know, kept on playing everywhere we could, coffee shops, fairs, festivals, and 
funeral homes. I'm a believer in using the best, and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are, the best on the market. If you want to sharpen your skills and ability, make sure to check out their Long Range University. From the rifle build to the perfect shot, Gunworks is your partner in the pursuit of long-range perfection, 1,000 yards out of the box. WTA Tags is a full-service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited-entry big-game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states. Tags has the easiest, most reliable, and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free tags consultation, call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at worldwidetrophyadventures.com slash tags. That's worldwidetrophyadventures.com slash T-A-G-S. No matter where I'm hunting in the world, I'm always wearing my Mindo boots. I guess you could say that I sort of live in my Mindel hunting boots. And right now at MindelUSA.com, you can use promo code MPJOURNEY to get a free pair of socks when you order up a pair of boots. Again, that's promo code MPJOURNEY at MindelUSA.com. Now back to the journey within. Uh, what, age did you, yeah, like, what age did you guys start writing your own songs? Man, really young. We actually... <laughs> What's really funny is, so we, to get us uh, to stop arguing a few times here and there, my dad, uh, we either got the belt or this one time he tried something different. He said, I want y'all to go in there. He's like, if y'all want to do this for a living, he's like, I want y'all to go. And we were probably about nine and 12. He's like, I want y'all to go in there and write a song together because we just were not getting along uh-huh. and just being brothers. He's like, y'all ain't coming out until you have a song done, like written and done. And um, that kind of changed the game for us. We we kind of we had to get along. We're like because we had this thing called the practice room. Uh-huh. You know, had all of our their music gear and stuff, and we didn't want to be in there. We didn't want to be around each other. And we're like, well, we got to come together and do this so we can get out of here. Yeah. You know. And by the time we were done, like we weren't mad at each other. We were like, we've created an awesome song, which yeah. is <laughs> which is really out of character because our parents weren't like stage parents Mm-mm. you know okay. they weren't the the parents that forced us into it or made us do something you know the the only time my dad ever made me do anything with, musically was when i told him i wanted to be paid to play in his band like everybody else uh-huh. and he said okay well if you want to be paid you're gonna you're gonna rehearse practice and play it right and and then i did and uh-huh. i i you know i'm blessed to say i haven't had like a real job pretty much my whole life because yeah. You know, after after they quit, I, I started playing with other bands in Oklahoma. There's Indian casinos everywhere, and I remember at like 15 or 16 years old, I had like a a affidavit signed, you know, that I could legally go into bars and play. You know, I couldn't drink, uh-huh. you know, and but I could go play with these bands and work. And that's awesome. you know, that's pretty much what we've done. Yeah, you do that as a grind, and you kind of. Have no plan B. Like, okay, forget college, forget you know everything else, and just you just you're kind of all in. Yeah, you know, and that's what we did, and which is pretty dumb looking back. Like, like <laughs> you know, but it uh, you know we just we knew it's what we wanted to do, and so we we did that, and we ended up on this show called The Voice, uh-huh. and um, we tried out, and don't I mean that's not to negate all the shows we played before. So like I, I like 
how how old were you guys when when you were on the voice uh i think i was 20 we i went in as a 24 year old i was 27 okay yeah so before that i mean you guys have been playing music i mean it sounds like yeah oh yeah 12, we're, so i mean you guys have, well, yeah we used to take a, a family vacation every year when you know my dad was a ups driver for 29 years and he'd have his week of vacation and you know back in the day it would be like you know they would save up we'd go to disney world or uh-huh. something or most of the time it was like branson missouri and silver dollar city and <laughs> lord yeah. you know and um one year we we asked them to take us to nashville uh-huh. like we wanted to go get a record deal and well, it was on yeah. the way to disney actually yeah it was on the way to florida and um they said okay well you asked them as you were driving to florida like we we kind of planned it before we went but we just said we just want to see nashville uh-huh. so I think they were thinking they were just going to stop in and stay a night or whatever, but we like made them drive us around to record labels. I'm talking Capitol, Warner Brothers, all these things. And of course, two kids walking up with guitars to these office buildings, we got kicked out. Like <laughs> yeah, every for record deals. <laughs> you know, um, and it's funny, somewhere my parents have footage of that, of us, you know, walking up and asking if we could sing yeah. <laughs> and then getting kicked out. Uh, but there's actually one, um, you know, and this was way before The Voice, but there was, it's kind of a full circle moment because there was one label, it was Virgin Records at the time, which doesn't even exist in Nashville anymore. But there was a guy, the guy in charge there was a guy named Scott Hendricks. And he happened to be going to lunch um, when we, we actually, my brother walked back in. We got kicked out. My brother walked back in, I mean, at nine years old, and went up to the receptionist and was like, look, we've been kicked out of every place we've been today. We just want to sing for somebody. Can we sing for you? And she was like, I can't do anything for you, but if you want to sing a song, like, go ahead. So we sang right there in the lobby, Uh and um, Scott Hendricks happened to be coming down the stairs and going to lunch, and he heard the tail end of it, and he gave us a business card, and he said, hey, if you guys ever come back, let's, you know, come talk to me. And so the next year we asked to go to Nashville again and we waited on this moment until the next vacation. Uh huh. And we're like, Hey, we got to go see that Scott guy. And sure enough, he let us in and, you know, and basically told us, and we had written nine or 10 songs, you know, that as good as a 10 and 13 year old which could, is, which is crazy to think that you're writing songs. At least for me, it yeah. seems crazy that you're writing songs at nine and 10. We, we had like this, <laughs> We had this little recorder. We took him a CD, and he basically said it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Every song, he, he said, don't. Sitting go. across from his office, I'll never forget, he was had a rubber band, which he still does a lot in his hand. He was doing this. He's like, you guys have improved a lot, but, um, man, don't don't show this to anybody. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget him saying, you guys will be ready in about 20 years. Yeah. And we're like, he said that, crap? and that stuck with me. I was like, and at, you know, at that young, that sounds like an eternity. No, it right is. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, what about Billy Gilman? You know? Like, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and so, like, it's so crazy. Then we fast forward, we'd go do The Voice. Well, Scott Hendricks, has, he's been an open door. I mean, I've seen him almost every song that I've ever written, you know, from then till now. And most of them, he has nothing good to say. But I'm, I'm not <laughs> mad at that because it made us better. It made yeah. us go right better. He's I mean, honest. I love somebody being honest. And um, 
he now is the head of Warner Brothers, which is where um, Blake Shelton is signed, and Blake was our coach on The Voice, uh-huh. and you know he's things- also the producer of Blake Shelton now. Ah, and uh, so you talk about just a full circle God moment, and then you know fast forward, you know we did do The Voice, and then years later we've been sending him songs forever, and uh, we write this song called Body Language, mm-hmm. and we sent it to Scott, and it pretty much was like twenty years later, <laughs> and he's like. I would like to put this in the Blake pile uh, for pitching. He's like, it's still a long shot, but I would like, I'd like him to hear this and end up being the title track of Blake's last record. (laughs) And it's just, it's crazy, you know, what your journey takes you through and like, and just meeting that guy when we were like nine and 10 years old. And then he ended up being connected to Blake Shelton, which was our coach. And it's like, you know, it's not just all coincidence, man. I think whatever you're doing, whether it's hunting music, whatever you do in life, man, I think, it all adds up, yeah. you know. That's in, that's in a really cool way. Can I tell you my Disneyland story? Yeah, absolutely. I'm traumatized forever. I'll never take my kids to Disneyland. Okay. So when I was about your all's age, when you were going, let's say eight to ten, I can't really. Exactly did you write any music before you went? No, I did not write no music. It, so we just did, went you, down. did you do anything special before you went? No, no, no. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I've, I've never done anything special. Okay, okay. But that's why I set the stage. <laughs> this was a very, this was a very traumatizing moment for me. So I'm down there. I'm eight years old or ten. I can't remember how old it was, but. You know, I was one of those kids. I every damn game they had, popping the balloons with the darts, throwing the softball in the milk cans. You know, with the ping yeah. pong balls, whatever. Was this Disney or a local carnival? No, this was, this was Disney. <laughs> this was Disney. This is a long time ago. So I'm down there, and you know, I, of course, I'm I'm that kid. Around, hey, mom, can I have five dollars? Dad, can I have five dollars? I'm gonna play this game. I'm gonna play that game. Well, I found this one booth that had uh, it was throwing the darts at the the balloons. If you pop three balloons, you got a. It was like a, those little mirrors that had pictures of people on them. You know, I know you've seen them with, like you said, the fairs and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. The fair faucet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was eight or ten, however old it was. Fair faucet. I'm like, I'm winning that mirror with fair faucet on it. Mm-hmm. So I sat there throwing darts. I don't know how long I was throwing darts because I, you know, I was trying to pop those three, whatever. Well, next thing I know, I look around. My mom and dad's gone. Mm. Oh, okay. They tried leaving you. Yep. They did. I okay. mean, this is like my Joe Dirt moment. Like, That's I swear to God, I was lost. I was lost for six hours at Disneyland. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This, this is honestly, this happened. Okay. To this day, I'm traumatized. I'll never take my kids to Disneyland because I got lost at Disneyland trying to win a fair faucet mirror. Did you win it? No. Where'd you find your parents? So, the cops had to take me to them. No. They, they made an announcement over Disneyland. I swear to God. Swear to God. For your parents? Or they <laughs> for my parents. Not? I mean, what were they doing, though? They I just got turned around. I got turned around while, you know, they yeah. were wandering around because we were there with another family. And right. Uh-huh. That's, that's what they told that, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what they yeah. told me. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and I'm like, Mom, Dad? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> next thing I know, I'm lost for six hours, and I'm walking around Disneyland with a cop. We found oh. my mom. It all ended good, but I was traumatized. I'm, I'm done with amusement parks, dude. I, like, done. I just, I just had an experience that traumatized me at 38 years old. At uh, where uh, were we? Universal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got stuck on the Harry Potter ride. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you get on the Harry Potter ride, dude? It looked awesome. Isn't that like a ten-year-old ride? <laughs> no, no, okay. no. This okay. is like three D, like oh, I guess. roller coaster, haunted house, whatever. Even though we were in a seat, you know how it seats four, you know, across yeah. or whatever. It was me and him, and then two very young, <laughs> young ladies. Like, but I may have been eight and nine. So I'm claustrophobic, anyways. And this is when we just went back in April 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To, to L.A. to do Blake's last show. We went on The Voice again yeah. and, you know, sang him away and had a good old time. And, and uh, well, on our day off, when we weren't rehearsing or whatever, <clears throat> we me and him were like, dude, let's relive our childhood. Let's go to Universal. Let's get the fast passes. Let's just <laughs> do this. You know, have fun as brothers or whatever. The first ride we get on, it has one of those things that come over your shoulders. Uh-huh. Which already, I mean, I'm a pretty big guy. And <laughs> it was so tight. And I asked the guy, see, I said, You see cup or B? <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid B plus. B, okay. Uh, but I asked the guy, I said, can this go any looser? He's like, that's what it's got to be for this ride. You want you want off? He said, it's about five minutes. I said, oh, it'll be all right. You know. Uh-huh. Dude, we didn't get 30 <laughs> seconds into this ride and everything shuts down. It goes black. We're hanging in a weird position. <laughs> and it's like. You know, sorry for the technical difficulties, um, you know, whatever. And we're just hanging there. And I start panicking. I'm talking full-on panic attack. And I start screaming to the top of my lungs. Please tell me the eight-year-old girl was rubbing your shoulder and telling you it was going to be okay. (laughs) Those little girls were laughing so hard. And so I'm, like, trying. It is pitch black, so I'm trying. And I'm, you know, it was tight on me, so I know I had to be tight on him. But um, I was trying to get my phone. I was like. Oh man, like I hope he's okay, but this is great content. Like, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> get my phone. yeah, I gotta I gotta get my flashlight on. And I, <laughs> I was screaming that I was gonna sue them. That's yeah, how scared like, I was. I will sue this place. I will sue. <laughs> like, get me off of here. Get, because I, like, I see the emergency serious. trails, right? Like they <laughs> can walk up if they need to, and I'm like, that's it. This is an emergency. Like get us off of here. And dude, that was probably. It felt like two hours, but it was probably 15 minutes or something. So they finally get it going, and I'm just, like, closing my eyes, just breathing deep. Like, <laughs> I've got to get off here. I really thought I was going to have a heart attack. And about the time it got going again, it shut down again. It's the first ride of the day. Oh, man. So I'm done. I Like, I, I just can't do it anymore. What's really funny is just the really slow – silent like when you get off the ride you just kind of look at the guy that lifts you lifts the thing up like you just slowly stand up it was just like i was green i know i was green it was it was was an awkward silent just like walk of shame off of that ride you know but you know what's funny is i tried to get him i was like it was his idea i was like man let's go see a playoff game i was like let's see lebron before he quits or whatever he's like no we got we got plenty of time for that to happen. Let's go to Universal. Really, our child. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, all right. I really wish you wouldn't have said that on the podcast. Well, 
But yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, uh, I try to get him to go to just good old basketball, NBA game. playoff game. I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm MJ. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. Draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. You got to draw but, the line. Huh? Absolutely. So when you guys went on The Voice, how was the auditioning for it? Like, what, like obviously I've seen it on TV, but was it? Is it like how they show it on TV? Yeah, man. If we did it the a very old school way, we we were dumb enough to go stand in line, like the cow, okay. they call it the cattle call audition. And um, nowadays they, you know, it's video submission, like, or they'll like say, hey, be at this place at this time. Mm-hmm. It's more set up, you know, more as far as, yeah, yeah, a little, probably more organized. And we waited in a line about 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah, it was, we were in Memphis. And um, what was funny is like, like I said, we've been making tons of trips to Nashville since we were kids. And we had just made that drive from Oklahoma to Nashville. Uh-huh. And, you know, we, we were like making some headway, but it was never like, it was like, not right now, guys, mm-hmm. like come back, you know? So we just made a 16 hour drive back and forth. And so <laughs> we, our piano player at the time, he's like, Hey, um, I'm going to go try out in Memphis for this, uh, this voice show. Y'all want to go right now? We just, <laughs> we pretty much yeah, just yeah. made that drive. Like, no. And, um, he's like, Are you sure? Come on, split the gas. And we're like, all right, it's only, it's three hours less than Nashville, so we're like, let's do it, you know. Uh-huh. And he didn't make it, but we did. So we were the first. Yes. So they do a. You, you don't see the coaches or producers. I mean, the, they have a a um, like a whatever you call it a, a talent booking casting casting okay. department. Agency, you yeah. know, and they get you ready to go sing for producers, and then producers get you ready for. And it's just a process of elimination, and and. I mean, I, that's how they did it then. I don't know how they do it now, but I'm assuming it. So there, you got you got to pass like three different levels before you actually. Yeah, oh, I think there, there's an early group that's like, no, 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 yes, move on, mm-hmm. no, no, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. And we were the first yes for season four, the first ones that got, you know, let's. And actually, the girl that won was uh, she did the cattle call too, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, which was, and a lot of the other contestants on there were already like, just electronic, more like, hey, come. You know, so kind of kind of crazy that we were even on that show. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was it was nuts. But then, um, you know, they're very thorough, and I have nothing bad to say about any aspect of that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they took care of they us. took care of us. They were everyone on there, every producer, every coach, uh, except for Adam. They <laughs> they were all nice, uh-huh. you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, he's okay. Uh, I don't mind him, but. Um, no, it was just, it was just, that was a learning experience in itself. You know, like we thought we were working hard, you know, but you go there and singing is probably 10% of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about a TV show, right? Yeah. Like it's hours and hours and hours of interview footage. They want to make sure that you're not going to lose your mind on camera, you know, psych yeah. test. Yeah, like, you do psych tests. Um, and you know, it's both passed. Yeah, it's, it's a wow. wonder, man. It's crazy. It was a god thing. I lied. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a god thing. Yeah. I lied a lot. They're like, are you going to freak out if you lose? And, no. <laughs> no. Speaking of losing, what, what's your feelings towards Danielle Bradbury? Be honest. Since they're, she's going to beat you. I couldn't have lost to a better person. She's like a she's like a little sister to us, okay. for sure. Good. Yeah. Good. Hater. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> man. She's awesome, dude. Like that, She's good old Texas girl. She's got great family and we do we run into her every once in a while but man she's she's a cool girl for sure i don't think um i I really don't consider it losing i mean we made it to the finale we uh 
you know, they had the option to sign us and, and, you know, we worked some stuff out. Blake came to bat for us there and, and, uh, cause the, the TV department and the music department on that show are two totally different things. Yeah, so okay. they have a music department that can sign you to a record deal, whether you win or lose, like you, they have the option. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was, we just learned a lot about media, a lot, a lot about what you should and shouldn't say in interviews. <laughs> you know, there was yeah. a lot of media training that yeah. was priceless when, you know, when we got off the show a month later, we did sign a record deal with Sony and, uh, <laughs> you know, going and doing all these, this radio tour where you're talking to radio DJs every day and, you know, just knowing how to act and knowing how to not make yourself get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, that's priceless. And you know? just going on no sleep and, you know, barely eating and, you know, you just, you kind of, your body kind of gets used to it. And cause everyone was like radio tours, once you sign your deal radio tour is the hardest thing you're ever going to do just like the first week of velvet hunting that's right <laughs> no sleep <laughs> yeah. no eat uh, yeah. and uh you know it's like uh it, it seemed like a piece of cake i mean it was it was still difficult of a, like taking two or three flights a day different cities playing two or three different shows uh-huh. we were just already on a gruesome schedule like i mean on that show i, I got down to like a you know 20 size 26 jeans i'm a 30 or whatever it's just like you just you don't realize just you're just going, 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 going. It's you know, eat, eat when you can. And yeah, just yeah. Keep going like again. A lot of caffeine. Yeah. A lot of coffee. You know, like. I haven't been a size thirty since I was in sixth grade. Oh, I don't think I've ever been a size thirty. <laughs> 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 and I do want to go on record as saying this, and I do mean with all due respect, if you ain't first, you last. Yeah. Oh, stop it! <laughs> it's true. No, it changed the game. It I changed know, the game. I know. I know. I'm just. I'm just. Teasing. No, it was it was great, and I think the biggest, you know, advantage that we had, or I think the best thing that came out of this was the relationship with Blake. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, yeah. he's been in our corner ever since, and that was ten years ago now. You know, which seems crazy, but you know, we've you talk about an outdoor guy like yeah. we've hunted with him. He's he is awesome, and it's we've started exploring other avenues of you know because we've been on the road since we got off that show. We have done a tour with Carrie Underwood. We did a tour with Brad Paisley. We played thousands, mm-hmm. literally thousands of shows on our, you know, our, our own stuff. And, you know, once the pandemic hit, you realize how quickly that can go away. Mm-hmm. And as a musician, you don't have a retirement plan. You don't yeah. have, you know, most musicians don't have savings. Like we're not the best with money, you mm-hmm. know? And so like, I think we've, we've started thinking about other avenues and what we want to do when, when we don't want to tour, when we start families and, so we've like been chatting with Blake and, and, you know, he keeps saying like, you guys need to do a, a, a lifestyle outdoor show. Like this would be perfect for you guys. Like, you know, I love duck dynasty. I would uh-huh. love to do something yep. like that, you know? And so he's just been really supportive in all aspects of life. And, you know, I think we're going to hunt with him this year. He says we are, we'll see what his schedule allows. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's just, he's been just an awesome friend. He's an Okie, you know, we're Okies and, and I, that was worth it all. You know, I, if you would have told me, hey, you can be friends with Blake or or win the show, I'm like, I'll, I'll take. Take friends with Blake. It's gonna, yeah. It's going <laughs> to you know? a lot yeah. more places. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's, been, he's been great. But Awesome. I mean, he's one, too, that if you look, he, he's, he helps the hunting industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, he's not afraid to say that he's a hunter and that he goes hunting as part of his lifestyle. And it, it's, even though he doesn't show it, right? Like, he doesn't need to show it. Just mm-hmm. by saying it and your support goes so far because he's got such a big following. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 He's, 
He's a good one, man. What you see is what you get. Yeah, for sure. And he is a hunter for sure. So, what is your what's like? What's your schedule now? Like this year, what does it, what does it look like? It seems like you guys have been playing all over the place, bouncing all over. Yeah, we uh, we kind of kicked it up a little bit on shows, uh-huh. and um, and like I said, I think everybody is kind of. It took a second, but I think it's getting a little more back to normal as far uh-huh. as touring. And but we we're being a little more picky, like. We don't want to just go play, you know, 200 shows just to go play shows, you yep. know, like, um, like, like we're, we're investing in some other things mm-hmm. and, um, and like, like I said, like we're thinking about when we're 60 years old now, yep. you know, not just guys in their twenties, like touring and tearing up the road, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we'll play, you know, it's weekend warrior stuff playing on the weekends and, um, um, we're, we're literally leaving from here to go play in Michigan and Ohio. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, this yeah. week we got a show Thursday. But, yeah, so, um, yeah. I mean, we, we're at Michigan. What were you going to do there? Flint, Michigan. I think some theater. Oh, Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, everybody okay. says they, that. that's what they, when, when, when we saw when I saw him on Friday night. I'm like, oh, where are you guys playing? And they're like Flint, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. You guys are gonna die. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Well, uh, knock on wood there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> Way to be selective on the shows. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Sometimes you go where the money is, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. But now, I, it's just, I think this year, you know, we, we thought we were going to have a lot of time in the fall to do hunting and stuff. We just got our first piece of land as brothers, and, and you know, it's something we've wanted to do for our entire lives. And it's not a lot of land, but it's enough for us to go out and try to get some deer in there, mm-hmm. you know, and. Well, I mean, your dad killed a big deer off from the last year, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, the day after closing, we actually set up uh, one of your blinds, Mm -hmm. one of the buck bourbon blinds, and um, just basically to take him out there and just show him, like... We were going to surprise him. I got him up early in the morning, you know, like, it was was rut, you know, Mm -hmm. rifle season, and I was like, hey, come on, we're, you know, I'm going to go show you this new spot. And it was set up, you know, there's a blind out there, that's about it. And, he had a but, bum leg at the time. I hadn't seen any deer. I, you know, it, we just wanted to show him the land. I mean, it's one of the highest points in the town we grew up in, and and just the sunrise is incredible, uh-huh. you know. And I knew it was going to mean something to him. And he thought we were going to this other spot that is right, like where we've always hunted, you know, near to it. it's like on the on some the friends of ours, yeah. yeah. And. Sure enough, you know, about eight o'clock in the morning, little corn, little buck bourbon on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> this massive deer i mean my dad's hunted his whole life and he cried like this is the day after closing Uh uh-huh and he he just cried all day because it was the biggest deer he's ever shot and it it was a it was a good moment it was hard to hand him the rifle because i really wanted to (laughs) (laughs) let's just no maybe i'll maybe i'll maybe i'll take it yeah i couldn't believe it i wasn't even there i was like oh he's just gonna go show him the land and that was was one of those cold mornings that colton didn't want to get out of bed (laughs) yeah no, I was doing some other stuff, but we, uh, and then they sent me that picture. I was like, you've got to be joking me. I was like, I mean, we, we, there's no way that that happened, but it, it absolutely did. And it was just kind of like a, one of those moments like, all right, we're gonna have a lot of great memories here, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. That's awesome too. Yeah. yeah. I, we could foreclose on it tomorrow and I'd still be like, that was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we could lose it. But, you know, it was, it was, that was just, you, the you best killed one. a giant hog off from it, right? Like a monster. Like one, this, oh, he sent me pictures of saying it was 
Like, I go down to Texas all – we don't have any wild hogs here in Kentucky, but I go to Texas every year, and I shoot a lot of hogs down there. And when you sent me that picture, I was like, dude, I know they're ugly as hell. I'm like, but that is like a once-in-a-lifetime hog. You should get that mounted. I shot him with yeah. a bow, and I did get him mounted. Yeah. Don't have it back yet, but I, I did get yeah. him mounted. Like, oh, he was awesome. a giant. Dude, we didn't <laughs> – we didn't realize how big those things were. He's like – Hey, come help me with this thing. We're, we need to drag it, you know, because it, it crossed the fence. We called the property owner. He's like, yeah, go get it, whatever. He's glad we shot it, you know. And uh, so we get up there, and we start, we start trying to move, and we're like, it nope. Every, every <laughs> bit of four. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this ain't happening, man. Like, <laughs> no way. We ain't that tough. Well, and that's the thing. People don't realize that you go to drag a bear or a hog. They're no, so much different than dragging a deer. You got nothing to grab There's onto. nothing. And they their hair – Grabs everything on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's like literally pulling against you. And, yeah, and yeah, it's crazy. We couldn't budget. Yeah. Like I had the taxidermy guy come there. <laughs> I said, if you will come here and get this head, I mean, you can have whatever else you want, or I'll just let the coyotes get it or whatever. But I, it's like this is this is crazy how big it was. Thing yeah. Was. Yeah. And they are a nuisance. Hey, you want to shoot some hogs? I got plenty. I, I didn't. I didn't know people eat them things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're really good. They just don't have a lot of fat. A lot of people mix a lot of like uh, regular pork mm. fat with it. So, Man, they seem, but it seems so nasty though when you get up on them. It's like, oof. Hey, what's crazy is I wasn't hog hunting. I, what made me shoot this thing is because it ran off deer that I w- had been waiting on all day, uh-huh. and I was mad. And all I had was my bow, and I just let her fly. Yeah. And- so you you never really go hog hunting, or you never really go coyote hunting. But if you're deer hunting, and all a coyote a sudden- walks out. Turns into a coyote. Yeah. <laughs> if you're deer hunting and the hog walks out, it turns into a hog hunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do do a ton of damage, though. Oh, to oh, the land. Oh, yeah. It's crazy what the oh, farmers yeah. have to deal with where hogs are. Yeah. Especially, and I'm sure we got them like, because, you know, we planted now. Mm-hmm. and uh, So. You know what you guys would have fun with in Oklahoma? There's uh, the place there that does um, hella hog hunts. And I did that one time. It's the biggest rush that you'll ever have. Taking hogs out of a helicopter, it is insane. Is that where you're shooting the AR? Yeah. The, oh, okay. I mean, that yeah, yeah. looks fun to me, but I will tell you, if I can avoid <laughs> ever getting on a helicopter, I will. <laughs> Musicians are, and helicopters. They don't, don't go good. No. They don't, go good. They don't have good history. They okay. don't. You know? okay. okay. Yeah, if we – just trust me. If we're ever getting on a helicopter with you, you may want to steer clear of that one. Yeah. yeah. Am I going to hear some yelling from Zach? I'm going to sue you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, it's just, man, there's one thing, like – Athletes There's, and musicians, you stay away from. And no, prop planes, no. man. How many, you know, yeah. uh, and we've been on them to get to certain gigs, but dude, I fr- I just have irrational fear just because of the history mm-hmm. you know, that it's just bad luck, you know, yeah. for people in our industry. Yep. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I guess if I had to, I, I could, but. I just didn't shoot them on the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just exactly. shoot them on the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, awesome guys! Thanks for swinging by. I know two of us actually have to get out back into the stand tonight. I don't know what the other two. Well, I got an idea what the other two are going to do tonight. But, <laughs> Probably, yeah. but there are two of us that got to get ready and get out in the stand and see if we can't get one of these deer down here in Kentucky. Amen. Good luck. Good luck, boys. Yep, mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I, I, I seriously thanks. I love hearing the story. Like, it's amazing. I mean, like I look at it now, what you guys were doing at a young age, writing music like that. I couldn't. Like, can you? I, just for me, I can't imagine kids now doing that. George, right. can you? No. Like, no. I, like it's, it's video games or die right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, we, that's pretty much right. All, all we had was Mario. You know, once you beat Mario, it's like, 
Oh, uh, I've solved the world. No, yeah. I guess, I guess I don't know what else there is. Go write some songs. I saved the princess. Let's go write some songs. <laughs> hey, but y'all too, though, man. Thanks for having us. And, you know, I mean, <clears throat> your journey alone, dude, has been, like, really cool getting to know you and just seeing all the hunts you go on. It's just like, because awesome. it's one thing to go out and just set up in a tree, but, you, I mean, you're, I want to get to the point where I'm, like, hunting. Like, yeah, you the know. world. Yeah. That's, You've been like, in a few prop planes, I'm sure. I have been in a few prop planes in <laughs> yeah. sketchy situations, landing yeah. in areas that yeah. you look back at now going, eee. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't, either, I don't know if you guys saw there was that crash in Alaska where a guide and uh, um, the the pilot died. It was the guy that was on the Flying Alaska show. He was on there for like eight seasons. Four years before that, they flew me. The same same guy. I was I was with the guide and I was with the pilot. The same spot where they crashed. Oh man! Yeah, kidding. Uh-uh. Oh, just crazy. And I mean, that like he's a he's a better pilot than ninety percent our car drivers are. Right. So right. you're driving in a car and you see all these people that are just really bad drivers. Mm. And this guy's so careful of everything he does, and, and just one of those guys never does anything. And then you get something freak like that, right? You can't control everything. And when you're in that part of the world dealing with a plane and yeah. winds and bad weather, and just, yeah. It's crappy deal. But before we jump off here, though, I have to ask you a question. Have you ever been any place no. sketchier than no. Eastern Kentucky on your own? <laughs> no, actually, no. That's a good question. <laughs> I know. It's not. It is not. So I have traveled to some some spots in the world, and Eastern Kentucky so, on that elk hunt was probably. So, mean, so me and Mark met on an elk hunt in Eastern Kentucky, and I just just tell us real quick because a lot of people don't know this, but it, this is a hundred percent God's honest truth to the story. So we're out there and we're taking Mark and Earl on this hunt and Earl shoots first. Yep. And Earl shoots this giant elk and in eastern Kentucky, you know, they're they're all these reclaimed mines. You know, they go in and they mm-hmm. they take a mountain and, and honestly they blow it up, they take the coal out, but then they level it and it's beautiful. So they're taking an inhabitable piece of property, mm-hmm. turning it into just this beautiful meadow. And they're all I mean, all the wildlife, and there's places to build houses mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So they're actually doing good. So we're down there, but the problem was when they take this mountain and take it from a mountain to a, a meadow is the property lines. So all they do is take T-posts and drive them in the ground when they rezone these property lines. Okay. Well, when you're out guiding for these elk, you got to make sure the elk is on your property when you shoot it. It's not like there's an actual fence and, mm-hmm. you know, there's not big markers and all this stuff. So we're watching or this elk. Or a tree elk. line. Like here, or a tree, a tree line. line. Yeah. Like you can tell wherever yeah. the property line is because there's a tree line. Or a rock wall from 200 years ago. So, yeah. so we're sitting there, and, you know, this elk chasing this cow all over the place. And finally, it gets to the point where Earl can shoot it. Earl shoots it. The elk runs and falls over just before one of those posts. Mm-hmm. And from a distance, you really can't tell. You're like, okay, I think that's on this side of the post. But then you get down there, and you're like, ooh, okay, it, it is close. So, like, it fell. Everything was great, 100% on our property. It fell on our property. We're sitting there, and, and I'm, like, field dressing this elk. And we hear this side-by-side startup. You know, coming from the top of this other mountain. And, you know, we don't even think anything about it. So we're just sitting there field dressing this elk, and this side-by-side comes all the way down this next mountain and drives right to us and stops at the post. And this guy jumps out of this side-by-side. He says, been watching y'all all morning, making sure you didn't shoot that elk on my side. The only thing he had to watch us with, honest to God's truth, he had a sniper rifle. 338 Lapua. He was watching us through the scope. He had a 338 Lapua with a, I mean, I'm talking a scope on it. And yeah. that's what wow. he was watching us with all morning. Wow. Wow. And so then he, and he comes down, he starts talking to us. And I mean, he's actually kind of cordial when he's talking to us. Well, but, yeah. You but can tell he, he, 
he wanted that elk to fall on his side to have something. Some, a confrontation. Yeah. 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 He got so, down there and it was like, yeah. But what, so he tells these watches and he's got this great big sniper rifle laid up on the front of this side by side. And me and Mark's just kind of like we're looking at each other in the corner of the eye like, mm, you know, this could have mm. went bad, you know. Yeah. And wow. yeah. So then he gets out and he walks up to Mark and he starts talking and he pulls out this damn pistol. He had like a 1911, like a 45 <laughs> pistol. And he's like pointing to Mark. And he's like, yeah. He said, I keep this. And they're loaded, like just pointing right at Mark. Just right at my head. Just. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I keep this pistol on me for the people. You know, you never know what you're going to run into in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and and so me and Mark's like dodging this, this guy's pistol. <laughs> oh so, I mean, yeah. It, people die in Eastern Kentucky and they disappear and you don't ever see them. Oh, dude. Hey, listen. I got spooked last night. I was like, you know what? They were going to come back and get me or whatever. I about beat him back to the. I I carried me Tyler's bow. Like, <laughs> he here. told me we got to the we got to the room last night, and he goes, he goes. They said they were gonna come back and get me. He said, I had nothing, and it was dark, and it was dark last night. I'll vouch for that. You, I couldn't see my hand in front of me when I was in there finding that deer, but he was freaked out. And here's the thing, guys. Colton is. He gets really sketched out. I have seen him, <laughs> I've seen him jump at a doe crossing a fence because he fell asleep on a fence, <laughs> and he got scared of a doe. I've seen him get scared of a cow. I come by honest man. I mean, a, a, a woodpecker started doing his thing. I about jumped out of the tree last night. Yeah. It was right, right behind. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm just, I'm just kind of a spook, you know. Yeah. Like, but yeah, he's. I can imagine him out there alone, and he said, "No, there's no way of standing in that field." I was like, like, I, was I, like just, "I beat him." <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know where I was going. I didn't even know I was going. I was like, all right, I just need to follow wherever that dust was. Like, that's, I, was, I was like, I know if there's dust kicked up, I know I'm probably at the right vicinity. But, yeah, man, I, that ain't no joke, man. That, what was that guy's name? He had a nickname. What was it? Ponytail. It was. Oh, Ponytail. It was okay. Ponytail. He had a long ponytail. He had a skullet. In a ponytail. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. A skullet into a ponytail. That's probably my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> no, he ended up, it was like two days later, we ended up hunting him. Probably. Yeah, so, so he, that's like, the thing. Like, he, he scared us to the point where we thought he was going to kill us. Right, yeah. But when he found out that we did everything 100% legal and everything, I mean, everything was up and up, he invited us over. He had a great place. And he said, hell, y'all come over here and hunt. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, honestly, we took Earl's elk, and mm-hmm. I think the elk you ended up killing, we took back to his shop. And actually process them in a shop. Yeah. So it was like, and that's the thing, you know, it, it, so many people are misunderstood. But when he came yeah. down that mountain and he had that rifle, me, me and Mark were just like, uh. Yeah. What's the what's the difference between a, I guess, what does a Kentucky elk look like as opposed to like a Colorado or something? But they were all brought in from yeah. out west. So okay. the state of Kentucky, our elk, first off, they don't migrate. Okay. So on average, they're going to be 30% heavier, just body weight. Yeah. Really no difference. You know, other than, you know, they, they were brought in from they, Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Actually they what they were, so. But they brought them in from, what, like four different states, Yeah. Right? So they said, yeah. like, there's rumor or whatever, like, the Kentucky elk, like, a high, like the hybrid of all these elk that you brought in. So it's a bigger body. They generally get to live longer. There's better food here. If you think about yeah. what they're eating on these reclaimed mines, they're eating good grass and stuff. Right. Like, here versus out west, like, when you go through a drought year, those elk are scratching mine, right? right? Mm. New Mexico, same thing in the desert. There, there's limited food, so they get bigger here. And there's just generally bigger body bigger animals. yeah elk. just all around i mean yeah. we're killing 400 inch elk every year here in the state of kentucky is there wow. is there a season or you gotta draw for it's it? a draw, draw. It, it's draw. a lottery and it is literally a once in a lifetime tag yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. wow and because you may lose your life 
It's a ponytail. We we don't want to go into that part. But no, no. So like, there's 120,000 people that apply every year, and they draw like six to eight hundred tags. Yeah. And yeah. of those six to eight hundred, maybe two hundred of them are bulls. Mm-hmm. Is wow. it all resident? You have to no, be resident. No, that ten percent go to non-resident hunters. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, but you start running the numbers on that. There's it's like, yeah, it's twenty some non-resident elk draws. Yeah, it, it's just it's ridiculous. But if you get it, it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good, and it's crazy because it's. They got these flats up on the reclaimed mines, and when the deer go into the timber, you're not—I mean, you're not going to get them right. It's so thick in, in there, but you can just wait them out, and they'll in the morning and at night they come out in these mm-hmm. fields, and yep. you see them, and you're like, "Holy smokes, they're elk here!" And then midday, you're like, "There's not an elk here. Yeah. There's nothing that can live here, right?" Yep. And then all of a sudden, they come back out. Isn't it crazy how an animal that big can disappear? Yeah, and, and uh, people don't realize the first elk hunt I ever went on, I actually was guiding another guy, and we kind of popped up over this little hill, and we spooked a group of elk. And I'm like, okay, they're going down this. I mean, when I say mountain, I mean, these are legitimate mountains. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're going down the side of this mountain. I said, if we run around this point, we can get them when they come up the other side of the mountain. Hopefully, they'll stop and give us a shot. And when I say run, like, I mean, we ran for 10 seconds, like, trying to get around on them. Well, I get down there, and I'm looking for them in the valley. I'm looking for them on the side of the mountain they were on. I'm like, where'd they go? Well, I turn around and look, and they were already down the side of the mountain we were on, across the valley, up the other side of the mountain, and started down the other side. Like Man. when they cover, they cover some ground they cover when they take a shot. I mean, just because y'all were getting close, I guess. It, it's, it is absolutely crazy how much ground they could cover. That's that's the way women act with my brother. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know yeah. if I'm just gonna go, you know, I'll run for ten seconds. <laughs> about no, no, no. Time. I have tried to make you run, and you refuse to run. That is true. Uh, yeah. Well. I had blisters on my heels. And, <laughs> um, it'd been a it'd been a hard turkey hunt. And, yeah. uh, becoming hunters, guys. Becoming hunters. That's what. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what our show should be called. Yeah. Becoming, yeah. Hunters. becoming hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Becoming. That's actually fire. That's yeah. a good name. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, <sighs> yeah, we're. Uh, I don't know. I love it, man, and I appreciate you having us yeah. on here. Yeah. George, man, thank you for everything. No problem. Yeah, we've we've never killed a deer like we have until you send us some buck bourbon to try. That's on. about that's what I was about to say. You know, shameless plug here, but that buck bourbon stuff works. It we does. hunted the yeah. same place for twenty five years in Oklahoma. Every neighbor was mad at us, man. and I think I <laughs> I got I do have to. T- I know we got to go, but I have to tell the story about the the deer you killed. Yeah. So so this is during the rut. You know, deer traveling everywhere. Oh, yeah. he's, he's back in Oklahoma, and he kills. Uh, I mean, it's a stud. It was a beautiful deer. Mm-hmm. And he posted a picture of it. Well, all of a sudden, this guy starts bashing. He's like, hey, that was my deer. Like, I was hunting that deer. <laughs> and so, so Zach's like, well, but I killed him on my farm, you know. And, he, and, and they go back and forth, and the guy's going back and forth. Well, he sends me a little side text of this picture. The guy posted a trail camera picture of the deer, and he sent me the picture of the deer he killed. He said, man, this guy's crazy. He thinks this is the same deer. And I was like, it's absolutely the same deer. <laughs> 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 I can't believe that they were surprised. I mean, it's not like yeah. our farms were miles apart. We're talking one fence. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody around you know, there like a hundred yards max. Yeah, and yeah. everybody around there had pictures yeah. of that deer. And um, but the the game changer and everybody around there after that were like, you know, they were kind of you know jerks at first, but they're like, all right, now what were y'all using? But yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Buck, buck bourbon. Yeah, I, I saw more when I put that stuff out. I saw more bucks on camera. It that year than I have hunting that place for 20 years. And I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. You know, I've up until then I've killed two bucks on that property since I was 
17 years old. <laughs> yeah, dad was like, because, you know, he's like, man, they don't know what they're doing. And then we started getting, <laughs> <laughs> we started getting all these deer on camera. He's like, well, I guess I need to go. You know? yeah, like, he's like, I finally, I finally messaged that guy back, and we're actually friends now, but uh, I gave him a bag of buck bourbon. Uh-huh. And I said, try this out, man. See what, see what happens. Yeah, it wasn't too long after that he messaged me. And he was like, you're right. He's like, they they love it. Yeah. They come uh, out of the woodwork for it. It's crazy. Do. There's deer in there. That's what like, they will be know, on it. I don't know what kind of deer drugs you're putting in there, buddy, but. Mm-hmm. I never will forget that. He's like, there's no way. He's, this guy says this is the same deer. And I'm just like, it's absolutely the same deer. <laughs> they, I mean, there's no doubt. Because it, it wasn't like it was a typical eight or a typical 10. It was kind of a non typical deer that just had just some right. trash everywhere. Yeah. Right. And he's like, you think it's the same deer? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Without <laughs> absolutely. a doubt. <laughs> I, it's funny to me, though, when, when somebody claims a deer that's you know there's neighboring oh, yeah. property there's and, deer. and you're in the rut man like yeah. that that deer was also on somebody's camera that was two miles down the road yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like oh yeah. uh, but whatever yeah. it's it's hunting and i got him he's in my truck there, there you go, go. <laughs> yeah there you go well yeah. perfect thank you guys thanks for having us boys. Well, thank you Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.